what I want to do to start the service, I'm sure it's going to be very different. Uh, I told the uh, pulpit committee as well as the deacons when I came here that I'm not normally a topical pastor. I really don't enjoy doing topical sermons. I would rather get a book of the Bible and let's go through it. But with that said, probably for the next four months, you're going to hear topical sermons. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, and the reason being, though, is I, I, I really believe there are some foundational things that need to be laid uh, for this church to move forward. And so uh, we're going to be looking at some uh, different subject matters, uh, three specific categories. We will talk about that tonight. I will give you that in a vision that I have as far as a vision and purpose for this body, kind of painting the picture for the next 90 days. And uh, today we're going to start our first series. Our first topic is the subject of prayer. With that said, I want you to check out this video clip. Most of you may recognize it, but uh, check out this video if you would. Mr. Bridges? Revelation chapter 3 says, We serve a God that opens doors that no one can shut, and he shuts doors that no one can open. He says, Behold, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have a little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Coach Taylor, the Lord is not through with you yet. You still have an open door here. And until the Lord moves you, you're to bloom right where you're planted. I just felt led to come and tell you that today. Mr. Bridges. You believe God told you to come tell me that? I do. I admit to you I have been struggling, but I've also been praying. I just don't see him at work here. Grant, I heard a story about two farmers who desperately needed rain, and both of them prayed for rain, but only one of them went out and prepared his fields to receive it. Which one do you think trusted God to send the rain? the one who prepared his fields for it. Which one are you? God will send the rain when he's ready. You need to prepare your field to receive it. the purpose of this team? What's the purpose of this church? M many of you are familiar with the movie Facing the Giants. That's where that clip came from. If you haven't seen it, I encourage you to, to investigate that. Check it out. It's a powerful movie, and a church did that. But what is our purpose here? What, what is the purpose of this church? 
And my question is, are you preparing the soil for rain? Just as you heard in this clip, I really believe with all my heart and soul that God wants to do a work in LaGrange. And I think He wants to do a mighty work. And there's no reason why it's not going to be done through this church. I'm going to give you the key to fruitfulness. Obedience. It's that simple. If we want to live a fruitful life, Christ has told us in, his, in, in John 15, He tells us, look, if you abide in Me and I abide in you, you will bear fruit. He, in fact, if you read that passage, He talks about bearing much fruit. question is, are we going to be obedient? We struggle with the flesh, don't we? I mean, Paul said it. The things I want to do, I don't do. And the things I, I don't want to do, I end up doing. Look, I, it's been a battle this week. I'm just going to be honest with you. It's really been a battle this week. Of course, I know a lot of it, it this is not going to be my normal week. I, I'm still in boxing. I'm trying to get settled. I'm trying to learn names. I'm trying to learn places. I'm trying to learn... And, you know, it's, it's a little taxing. And, you know, I realize it's not the norm. But it's kind of funny because... Last night I came in here, and you talk about technical difficulties. I was trying to get all this set up, you know, and it's my first sermon. And, I mean, everything that could go wrong was going wrong. I got sound coming out of the, of the nursery, but I couldn't get sound coming in the sanctuary. I told somebody I cut my hair short so I won't have much to pull out. And then, of course, with the sicknesses and things like this. But you know what? I, I, I really, I think about this, and... It's as if God's saying, well, Jeremy, you're doing a message on prayer. I'm just giving you some practice. <laughs> and Lord knows I've had some practice this week. But what I want to challenge us with in today's message, and again, it's going to be a series over the next few weeks, is to really think about this subject of prayer. Because it's probably one of the most neglected disciplines in, as Christians. I mean, let's be honest. That is probably the one area that, for many of us, we struggle in. So I hope to encourage you today on um, how we might can improve this. Well, let me ask you the question. How is your prayer life? Let me ask it again. How is your prayer life? We want... My goal, my desire is to see Community Baptist Church get back to being a church that prays. Not to say that you haven't been, but I want us to really seek after the Lord. We sang that song this morning, As a Deer Panteth After Water. If we can get that kind of thirst, that kind of hunger for God, He will do amazing things in and through us. I believe that. Are you that hungry? Are you that thirsty? Are we at a place where that's where we're at before the Lord? Because that's the place we need to get. Someone once said, more prayer, more power, less prayer, less power. No prayer, 
no power. Can I tell you, this pastor needs your prayers. And this week, really, uh, I see it. And I know you need this pastor's prayer. We need the prayers of each other. And so that's what I want us to look at this morning. Three points that we're going to discuss. This thing is really giving me a fit. There we go. Three points to pray for. Pray for leaders within the church. Pray for the body. Pray for vision and purpose. Over the next 30 days, I'm going to drive this in the ground. Because as a church body, these are the three areas that I really want us to focus on. When I say leaders, I'm talking about the pastor. I'm talking about the deacons. I'm talking about your Sunday school teachers. I'm talking about your worship leaders. The leaders within this church, we need to seek God's face and pray intercessory prayer for them. We need to pray for one another, the body. And we need to pray that God will give us His vision, His purpose for the future. So, we're going to break these points down. Let's, let's take a look at this. Pray for leaders. Let's look at the prayer for leaders. Um, first off, prayer for leaders that, to do God's will. Okay? I want you to know from the get-go, this pastor does not have a personal agenda. Okay? My agenda is to do God's will. Okay? And that's what I want you to pray for me. That I will do God's will. That I will shepherd the sheep. That I will lead you as a pastor as God would have me to, to do. That's, that's the one prayer that I would ask. Um, turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 uh, through, uh, we're going to look at verses 8 through 12. If you don't have a Bible, guess what? I've already hooked you up. Just take a look up here if you'd like. Um, let me give you just a, some, some, brief, some brief background here. The Apostle Paul, this is the second letter that he's written to the Corinthians. Now, if you know anything about the Corinthian church, it was a church that was very carnal. They had all kinds of problems going on in the church. You know, some people say, well, I wish we could be like the New Testament church. I'm thinking, oh, my, which one? The Corinthians? Or, you know, they were very carnal. Um, you know, you look at the epistles, every church has its problems. Guess what? We're no different. You've heard the joke. If you find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll mess it up. Because we're normal. We're human. We, we, we all have our flaws, right? And it's not going to be long. You're going to see this pastor's flaws. All right, But, Paul has been addressing a situation in the church, and that's in 1 Corinthians. When you read 1 Corinthians, this is a letter. He's writing to them. He's giving them some instructions because there's some, some problems going on, some serious problems. There's an incestuous uh, relationship going on there, and uh, he's addressing and He's calling for the person to repent of this. They're in some, some very deep sin. And actually... Um, he's now writing a second letter, and it's believed that, you know, this, the, as far as the, uh, the sinner has repented, there seems to be some, uh, some repentance there, some change of heart, but there's still a problem. The problem is there's some false teachers in the church, and they began to slander Paul. 
Okay? And they are, they are saying things about them that's just not true. And Paul's not one to want to defend himself. Okay? He's a humble servant of the Lord. But he gets to a point where he feels like, you know what, I've got to write this to clarify as the Holy Spirit has directed him to do. So he, as he writes this, keep in mind that Paul's been struggling. He's been having a lot of opposition, not only from without the church, but even from within the church at Corinthians. So with that in mind, listen to what Paul says in this passage. For we do not want you to be uh, ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even of life. Now, we're not sure exactly what Paul was talking about here, but obviously he ran into a situation that was very serious. In fact, look how serious. Verse 9, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That word sentence there is a, is a technical word. Literally, Paul, he, even he was at this point where he was convinced this was the death penalty. I mean, this is it. Humanly speaking, I, I'm facing a, a no return. I mean, this is, this is the end. We had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. You ever find yourself there? You get to the end of your rope. I mean, you've just, you're exhausted. There's nothing. It's out of my hands. Isn't that when we most, most of the time, go to our knees in prayer? You know, it, it just, the world's crushing in on me. It's so overwhelming. And then we seem to cry out to God. I, I remember as a teenager, I used to call these blue light prayers. Anybody know what a blue light prayer is? Yeah. You're driving down the road, you look in your rearview mirror, there's blue lights. You start praying. Right? You start praying. Now, I know none of my new teenage drivers aren't going to do that because they're not going to break the speed limit. But anyways, amen. <laughs> but, yeah, you lift up these prayers. Oh, and, and, and that's, listen, that's right. We, you know, we're, we're humans. We find ourselves in those situations. When t life gets tough, we seem to want to cry out more. But it shouldn't be the case. We need to develop that habit of prayer, that discipline of prayer. Uh, think of it like this. It's like a marriage. Now, just imagine if I walk the aisle, well, just think back with me, many moons ago when I walked down the aisle and I said I do to my wife. Okay? Now, some of you can ponder that day too. For some of you, you may have to dig deep. It's been a long time ago. But when you said I do, and you did, imagine if you said, okay, see you next Sunday. And you spent no time with your wife during the week. What kind of marriage are you going to have? <laughs> You're not going to have a marriage, right? No, not at all. In order to cultivate that marriage, in order to have a true marriage, in order to have that relationship, you've got to spend time together. You've got to talk to one another. And yet... I find too often times we, we live in a day where, where people believe they said I do to Christ at some point in their life, but they spend no time with Him. They come in here on Sundays and that's the only time that they interact in worship, in prayer. That's not a relationship. That's a religion. God doesn't want religion. He wants a relationship. And, and really, the marriage, you think about that, 
And, and scriptures paint us as the bride of Christ. We see that imagery throughout the New Testament. So, again, think about that responsibility that we have daily to interact. And if you do that daily, you're going to have a healthy marriage. If we do this as Christians, we're going to have a healthy relationship. And that will cause us to be a healthy church. But back to the subject. Paul. He says we've got this sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God. Great lesson there, and I underline that for us because if we're going to move forward as a church and realize we're in the early days of what I believe is, is going to be uh, just the start of something that God's going to do here, we can't trust in ourselves to do this. We have to trust in God to do it. Because God is the God, listen, and Paul knew this, God is the God who raises the dead. Paul knew even though I'm, at, I'm facing death, I'm at the end of my robe, there's no return, this is it, this is the end, I'm not going to, you know what, I'm not going to trust in myself to get out of this, I'm going to trust in God, because even if I die, guess what? He raises the dead. Wow! What about that kind of hope? I mean, talk about feeling invincible, spiritually speaking, and it's not a boast in us, it's a boast in God because He is the God who raises the dead. Jesus Christ proved He is God because He is the only one who's ever been in the grave and three days later rose from the dead, proving He's victorious over death and He promises us that if we will turn in repentance to Him, that if we will look to Him alone, place our faith, our hope in the finished work of Christ alone, invite Him in to be our Lord and Savior, He promises us that if we will turn to Him, He will not cast us out. He promises that forgiveness. I want to put my trust not in myself. I want to put my trust in the God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You know he's still able to deliver you. You know that? I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what your struggles are, but I can tell you there is a God who you can trust in, who will see you through this trial, this tribulation, this suffering, and even if it is a sentence unto death, guess what? He's the God who raises the dead. Why would you not want to hope in Him? Why would you not want to trust in Him? We continue reading. You, who's Paul speaking to? He's speaking to the Corinthian church. You also helping together in prayer for us. How was the Corinthian church helping? Well, they had financially helped him, but he's pointing out they were helping in prayer. They were praying for Paul. Guess what? They have reward in what Paul has done for the sake of the gospel because they were his defense. They were lifting him up. When you pray for your leaders, when you pray for your pastor, when you pray for your deacons, guess what? The fruit that comes through their ministry is fruit to your account in glory because you have been obedient to what God has wanted you to do. Prayer. All right? He says, you also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. For our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. 
leaders, notice these words. That we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. Not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. You see, it's by grace we've been saved. It's God's grace. It's not of works. If you're here this morning and you think just attending church is a good step, you know what? It is a good step in the sense that you're in a place where you can hear the truth of God's word. But going to church is not going to make you a Christian. The Bible says you must be born again. And if you've never been spiritually born again, I've got good news for you. You're in the right place this morning where you will hear the truth presented that you can respond as God leads you. And if He nudges your heart to surrender to Him, you can be born again this very day. We'll look at some Scripture passages in a minute. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but Paul is telling these these Corinthians that it's by the grace of God and more abundantly towards you. You know, these people have been praying. Um, Paul understood the importance of having this church pray for him. He could not have done what he did on the mission field, the work of the ministry, without the prayer support of the saints. Let me just say, I will not be able to do what I need to do at Community Baptist unless the saints are praying. I desperately need your prayer support. Now, you're just getting to know me, okay? And as you get to know me, you may, some of you may be thinking, well, man, I wish I had a better pastor. Well, I got a quote for you. If the church wants a better pastor... It only needs to pray for the one it has. <laughs> there you go. That's it in a nutshell. You know, it's funny. It says unknown author. It's probably a pastor. <laughs> and he probably didn't want his church to know. <laughs> but it's very true. I mean, listen, it, I, I, I'm an approachable guy, and I want you to know that. My, my door's open. My phone rings. Uh, and we'll go through some of the do's and don'ts on that tonight, but, but I am available for you, and I want you to know that. Um, and I realize some people think they have this, their spiritual gift, the gift of criticism. I would encourage you, before you come to me, take it to God first in prayer, okay? Uh, then come see me, all right? Second point I want to talk about this morning is prayer for the body. I've kind of given you a little bit about praying for uh, leaders. And again, we looked at some scriptures on how Paul knows whom he trusts in and he knows the importance of the prayers of those saints. But what about the prayer for the body? What about you folks? Well, one prayer that I would ask, and we won't get into it so much today, but is that the body will function properly. I encourage you, look at Romans chapter 12 when you get time, okay? Uh, we will get in, this is actually part of my second 30 days that we will focus on, and it's going to be spiritual gifts. And you realize when you are born again, God gives you a spiritual gift. And the purpose of that spiritual gift is to be utilized within the church. And so we'll talk more about that. But um, notice what R.A. Torrey said. We are too busy to pray, and so we are too busy to have power. We have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions. Much machinery, but few results. If we really want to impact our community, 
we're going to have to start doing what we need to do first within these walls. And so that's why this first series is going to get us back to the basics, back to our knees in prayer. And from there, God will direct us. I have no doubt. Turn with me to Ephesians. Or if you want to just read up here. Ephesians 6, 18 through 20 says, Praying always. Now again, this comes, Paul's a prisoner. He is, uh, there's a Roman soldier. Literally, imagine this with me. Go there with me in your mind. Here is Paul. He's in chains. He's in prison. He's under house arrest. Lo and behold, as he's pinning this, there's uh, Roman guards, and he's just given us, if you read in the previous verses, the description of the whole armor of God. Okay? And as he talks about the helmet of salvation, he sees the Roman soldier with the helmet. He talks about us as as spiritual uh, soldiers putting on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. He talks about putting on the belt of truth, girding those loins. He talks about the the shoes, the the gospel, uh, the sandals, the gospel shoes of peace. Talking about uh, the spiritual aspect of, of wherever our feet take us, we need to take the gospel. He talks about the shield of faith. He sees it. And again, you know, you can just imagine, here's this Roman soldier in all this garb, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is instructing Paul as he pins this, and, and the shield of faith, which is used to quench those fiery darts that are fired by the wicked one. And he talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And that's our offensive weapon against the enemy, the spiritual enemy. And then he talks about praying. And he says, stand firm. Stand. Hold your ground through prayer. And he says, verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Paul knew, even though he was in chains, he still had opportunity. I imagine those Roman soldiers got an earful. We need to be praying for one another that we also will have that kind of boldness. That's going to be my third uh, 30 days will be about evangelism. And my goal is to equip you to be bold in your faith, to be able to share your faith effectively. 2 Corinthians 5, 12 through 21 talks about, for we do not commend ourselves again. Now here again, we're back to Corinthians. Paul has, you know the, the background. Paul is writing those Corinthians. He says, we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us. Now this could be understood to be Paul's love for Christ, But I believe it's Christ's love for Paul. It's probably both. You know, we we can love because God first loved us, right? So, I believe what motivates you and I to share our faith, what motivates you and I to be in prayer, to be people of prayer, 
is because Christ loves us. First off, he's proven his love to us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. What greater love is there than that? For the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. Guess what? Jesus Christ, if he paid for your penalty, you have received the forgiveness of your sins. You have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He died for you. You're dead to self. And he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Do you realize you're not your own? When you surrender your life to Christ, if Jesus is truly your Savior, he should be your Lord. Are you still living for self? Or are you waking every day to live for him? This is the obedience I'm talking about. We need to yield to the Lord in all areas of our life. He'll show us. He'll, he'll let us know through the Holy Spirit where, where it is we need to surrender, what it is we need to give up, how we need to be conformed, what, what we need to do to grow in his grace and understanding. Um, the passage continues, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Is that your testimony this morning? Are you a new person? That's what being born again means. I can tell you, this old boy right here, I was not a pastor. You look up here, you see a pastor. I was not always a pastor. Before Christ got a hold of my life, I was a very immoral person. I was deep into to drugs and alcohol and a very immoral lifestyle. But when I met the living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, when He grabbed hold of my heart, I surrendered all to Him. You see, Christ wants you to know this morning that He loves you. That's His whole reason for coming to this earth. He came to seek and to save the lost. I was lost. I was, I was banking on my own fleshly wisdom. What does this world teach us? Got to get a good education. Get a good job. He who dies with the most toys wins. No, that's a lie. That's exactly what the spiritual enemy of God wants you to think. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet lose his own soul? There is nothing, nothing that this world can offer you and me that's greater than in comparison to what God desires to give to you through His Son, Jesus Christ. But God doesn't force Himself on us. Yeah, He calls to you. And there's no doubt right now, some of you, He's calling to your heart. The Spirit of God, He's speaking to you. You know you need to surrender. You know that you want to receive 
this forgiveness that this pastor is speaking of. You know that you want your life changed because you're miserable. And you know what? Some of you may not even be miserable. Listen, I was having pleasure in my sin. And the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season. But that season comes to a close eventually. So let me just share this good news with you. You are here today. If you're here and you do not know Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're here today to hear this message. Jesus Christ wants you to turn from this life you're in and turn to Him. That's what that word repent means. It means I'm going down this road of life. I'm headed in this direction. This is the way I do things. This is the way I live my life. As Mr. Lynn Sanders says, this is the way I roll. And you go in this direction and... You know what? This direction is the broad road that leads to destruction. It's a course set towards hell. From the moment we're born, that's the road we're on. We're born spiritually dead. But when the Spirit of God speaks to you through a message like this, through the preaching of His Word, and you hear that nudge and you feel that nudge spiritually speaking, and you respond to that, and you're willing to repent. The word repent means to turn from, to turn and I surrender my life to Jesus Christ. He gives you new birth. You've been made alive spiritually. Now, not only are you alive physically in this body, you're spiritually alive because Jesus Christ has given you that gift of salvation. He paid for it in full on the cross. And that's why Paul says that when you become a new creation, when you're born again, old things pass away. Guess what? I used to want to do this. I used to drink, chew, and go with girls that do. Well, maybe not. But I turned from that. God nudged my heart. I gave my life to Him. Guess what? Now I'm walking a new life. Now I'm headed this way to glory. And with each step, we should be conformed more and more to the image of His Son. Paul says, therefore, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. You see, God has reconciled you. How did he do it? Through Jesus. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Believer, you have a ministry. Did you know that? You have the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's the point of a believer. If we're, going to proper, if we're going to function properly as believers, right there it is, gang. That's it. We're ambassadors. And notice Paul's words. He says that God is as if He were pleading through us. Some of you are hearing this message this morning, and I can tell you right now, the Spirit of God is pleading through me to you. He's pleading, be reconciled, come to me. I will forgive you of your sins. Only God can do that. And our part as a body, if we're to understand this, 
if, if, then, then we need to know that we've been given this ministry. Notice verse 21. For he made him who, Jesus Christ, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Thank you, Lord. You see, we're hopeless. We are hopeless and helpless. We'll never be good enough. It's not about us being good enough. Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He's the only one. He's the only one who's perfection embodied. He's the only one. Not you, not me. That's where our trust has to be. Not in our own good deeds. He says, He made him in you no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. You know, God desires to do a work in us once we come to that saving knowledge of Christ. That's that sanctification process. Um, the third thing I want to talk about is prayer for vision and purpose. Again, we, we talk, talk briefly, and, I, and really, guys, I, I hate, this is not my norm. I, I'm, I know it's a little choppy. But in the realm of prayer, uh, really, if we're going to go forward in this church, you've got to pray for the leaders. You've got to pray for the body that we're going to do what we're supposed to do. That we're going to become the... the if, if you're the right pinky, be the right pinky. Don't be the big toe, okay? Um, whatever, our, whatever our proper body party, we need to learn that. We need to know that. But he's given us all that ministry to reconcile others, to plead with others the love of Christ. So what about a prayer for vision and purpose? Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Listen, it, it could be fine and dandy for some of you to say, Well, hey, praise the Lord, we got a new pastor. Now I can go back to my recliner. No. No, not at all. Listen, we're just getting started. It's time to roll up the sleeves now and get to work. I don't know at this point what God's will is as far as whether or not He wants to pack out this place. And you know what? If He does, hallelujah. It may be that, that He wants to, to take a few families out. I don't know. But I know this, if it's God's will, I want to be on board. Don't you? Because if God's for you, who can be against you? Now, my guess is, though, because, again, knowing the Word of God, that He wants us to bear much fruit, and I think this church will be a fruitful church if we're obedient. So what about that vision? What is the purpose of CBC? Community Baptist Church. What is the purpose? The church's purpose... Don't lose sight of this. I put this first. The first purpose is to exalt the Savior. Do you realize... That our whole reason for being, oh, ooh, I got this, I got this, listen, listen, this is good, this is good. You want to know the meaning of life? You're going to find out this morning. That's the big question everybody's always wanted to know. They wrestle with, what is the meaning of life? Guess what the meaning of life is? Exalt the Savior. We're to glorify God. The whole reason you and I were made, the whole reason this earth was made, the whole reason the universe was made, to sing the praises to God Almighty, the Creator. It's to glorify Him. Amen. Nothing else. You mean it's, it's not about me? 
No. Sorry. And it's so freeing. It's so freeing when we understand this. When we realize it's not about me, my four, no more. It's not about us. It's about pleasing Him. It's about living for Him. Whatever I do, do to the glory of God. Whether you eat, whether you drink, whatever you do. Exalt the Savior. Now, imagine with me if this church gets hold of that as a group. What does that look like? Really, what does that look like? Well, I'll tell you what it looks like. It's helping the needy. It's helping the widows. It's reaching out to the lost man on the street that's on his way to hell and doesn't even know it. It's like, spiritually speaking, it's like busting into a burning building and rescuing those that are in, getting ready to be engulfed in the flames and they don't even know it. That's what a Christian does spiritually. Did you know that? The building's on fire. It's coming down. You're the fireman. You know it. They don't know it because they're in a sleep. And there's only one way out. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in that building and a fireman comes in and says to me, excuse me, sir, you're going to have to get out. This building's going to go up in flames. There's only one way out, and I know the way. Follow me. Let me tell you where it is. I got a funny feeling I'm probably not going to say, you firemen, you think you know it all, don't you? Y'all are so arrogant. You think you've got the only way. You think you're the only one who's right. Well, I don't. I don't buy into that. That's good for you, but that's not good for me. I know another way out. At least I think I do. <laughs> no, they're not going to do that, are they? But that's what we get spiritually when we approach someone and we try to share the love of Christ with them that, you know, hey, this world is going to be judged. It was judged before with water, <laughs> which is so funny. We could go off on this one, but I wonder why there's a Grand Canyon there. Billions of years? <laughs> no! Try a catastrophic flood. Isn't it funny? Well, we believe there's some kind of major catastrophe happened. Maybe meteors or perhaps uh, there was an ice uh, age or something catastrophic happened. Could have been a flood? No, it couldn't be a flood. And these are our brilliant minds. Anyways, that's another sermon. Our purpose is to exalt the Savior. We also need to evangelize the sinner. And that's something, again, we'll talk about once we get into our uh, last phase of this 90-day vision purpose for this church. And that will be to help us. How can we do this? How can we reach out and compel those to come in, to win those that are on that road to destruction? And the last thing, obviously, is to equip the saints. That's the purpose of this church, to equip you all to do the work of the ministry. And that's part of my responsibility as a pastor. Let me move on for time's sake. Take a look at these. We'll break them down. Exalt the Savior. Uh, I therefore, Romans 12, 1 through 2, I, I therefore urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship, a reasonable act. Um, reasonable duty. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Present your bodies 
a living sacrifice. That's how you're going to exalt the Savior. We talked about that. Um, how about this? Evangelize the sinner. Romans 10, 14-15 says, How then shall they call on Him in whom they've not believed? And how shall they believe in Him of whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. And that's what we hope to do. We hope to evangelize the sinner. Check this quote out. The man who mobilizes the Christian church to pray will make the greatest contribution to world evangelization in history. Andrew Murray said that. We've got missionaries here in our midst, and I can tell you, they'd tell you the same thing I'm telling you. More than anything, they need your prayer. They need you raising up a wall of defense for them. They need you to be raising up that God's Word would go forth with free course, that it would not be hindered, that nothing would be able to thwart God's plan and purpose. They need your prayers. I believe if this church will get on its knees and praying fervently, we're going to see some mighty things happen. Equip the saint. Uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 says, And he, gave, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. What for? For the equipping of who? The saints for the work of ministry. And you thought the pastor was going to do it all. <laughs> no! Listen, my job is to equip you. But it's your job to do the work. He said, wow, you got the raw end of that, didn't you? I want to vote again. <laughs> My job is to help equip you to do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. What would God have you do? How do we respond to this? What would God have you do? Well, we need to make sure our hearts are right. That's the first thing we need to do. I could hang out in a, in, a, in a garage all day. It doesn't make me a car. I mean, you know, come to church, don't make you a Christian. I, maybe you're here, and you've never come to that point in your life where you've responded to what you know God would have you do. Is God speaking to you this morning? Are you on that road that I was on? Do you sense this morning that the sovereign Spirit of God is nudging your heart? It's time to give your life to Christ. Maybe you've been running from Him for a while. Can I tell you, He brought you here this morning and He wants you to surrender. It's time to give up. And at the end of this service, we're going to give you an opportunity to be obedient to what God wants you to do. Listen, the others sitting around, we've, we've been here, we've done this. Those that are truly born-again believers, they came to a point in their life where they surrendered their life to Christ. There's nothing greater than to let Him be your Lord and Savior. So if He's dealing with you this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity shortly to respond to that. But maybe you're here and you are a believer. 
Truth be known, though, the stuff of this world's crept in. The weeds of this world are starting to choke out what's been planted. Maybe there's some things that you know are in your life that aren't right. Would you get them right today? This church is not going to... If you're here and you're a member, you're, you're a born-again believer, you're part of uh, Community Baptist Church, let me just say, we will not go forward until hearts are right. If there's sin in the camp, read the story of Achan. See what happened to the Israelites. Paul's whole purpose in writing the Corinthians was to deal with the sin in the camp. We've got to get it right, folks. You've got to surrender it. Jesus Christ paid for all our sin debt. Lay it at the foot of the cross. Give it to Him. And turn your back on it. Never to visit it again. I don't know what it is. You do. The Spirit of God will let you know. But we need to make sure our hearts are right. Check out this passage. Psalm 66, 17 through 20. I cried out to Him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. If I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. If you're holding on to something that you know is wrong, you've got to let it go. God's not listening until you do. But God has surely listened and heard my voice in prayer. Why? Because the psalmist had a clean heart. He knew, praise be to God who has not rejected my prayer or withheld His love from me. Gang, when we get our hearts right as a church... God's going to hear it. He's going to hear it. And there's no doubt He's going to send that rain. We need to get back to prayer. And I'm wrapping things up. We need to get back to prayer. Fervent prayer. James 5, 17 through 18 said, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Man, that's good. I love that when he says that. Isn't that good? You thought you were the only one that had that kind of nature. <laughs> No, Elijah was a sinner too. Guess what? I was a sinner too. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. Great story. Been reading it in my family quite time. First Kings, go check it out. Good stuff. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again... And the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. (laughs) Fervent prayer, folks. I want this church to become a fervent praying church. So my question, will you join me and seek Him? Jeremiah 29, 12 through 13, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You know, the Israelites were in captivity and when, when Jeremiah offered that prayer. Listen to this. There is no power like that of prevailing prayer of Abraham pleading for Sodom, Jacob wrestling in the stillness of the night, Moses standing in the breach, Hannah intoxicated with sorrow, David heartbroken with, with remorse and grief, Jesus in sweat of blood, Add to this list from the records of the church your personal observation and experience. 
And always there's the cost of passion unto blood. Such prayer prevails. It turns ordinary mortals into men of power. It brings power. It brings fire. It brings rain. It brings life. It brings God. That's the kind of praying we need. Do you have a passionate prayer life? Or is your prayer the... As my kids, and of course, you know, they're at that age. God is great. God is good. Let us thank You know, we need passionate prayer. We need grabbing hold of God and crying out and pleading our heart and bringing our case. And, our, and listen, praying is not to change God's mind. We don't do that. Praying is not to get Him to do what we want. If that's your idea of prayer, you've missed the point. Prayer is not about that. We don't go to God with a prayer of things that we want. That's Santa Claus. You got the wrong Jesus, if that's your, your idea of God. No. We go to God to know His will and His plan and His purpose for our life. And then we yield our life to that. You know, if you will delight yourself in God, He will give you the desires of your heart. And that basically means that because as He changes your heart, you want to do what He wants you to do. And it goes back to what we were talking earlier. Glorifying God. It's a wonderful thing. And that's where we need to be. That's where we want to go. So, the final thought is, are you preparing the soil for rain? Oh, you know what? That was the first question. But let's start by preparing the soul for rain. Is Jesus Christ your Lord? Does He reign in your life? I'm going to ask our... um, piano player to come at this time and we're going to get ready to close in a song of invitation and as this song plays maybe you need to do business with God maybe God's not reigning in your life right now you're here this morning you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior you're not sure if this building went down today if this world ended if your world came to an end that you would have a home in heaven If you're not sure of that this morning, you don't know what it means to have a personal relationship, you're not sure what it means to be born again, but you sense God nudging you to come, I want you to be obedient to what God wants you to do. Come. All we want to do is take God's Word and show from His Word, His truth, how you can be settled in that relationship. If that's you, I want you to come this morning. And I'm going to stand here, and if you would, just make your way over to me, and I'll, I, and, and I'll, I'll know that you're wanting to get that settled this morning. But maybe you need to just get some things right in your heart. Maybe you just want to yield some things to the Lord this morning. Maybe it's deep sin. Maybe it's nothing too major. Maybe you just want to be on board. Whatever God wants you to do this morning, I want you to listen to Him. I want you to listen to the Spirit of God during this song of invitation and you just be obedient to what He wants you to do. This altar is open. There will be others here to pray with you if you want somebody to pray with you. But if you just want to come up and spend some quiet time with God on your own, the invitation is open.
as the pianist continues to play, if you uh, have needs, you just want to take this time and give it to the Lord, I'm here. If you need to speak with someone, you're not sure about this thing called salvation. But in the meantime, if you would, just continue praying there in your seats quietly. And I want to ask, with nobody looking around, all eyes closed, all heads bowed, maybe you're here this morning, and for whatever reason, you just you couldn't come forward. I understand. But I would like to pray for you. Maybe you had some need, whether it was salvation or just something that you're struggling with. You want to give it to the Lord. You've been talking to the Lord there where you're at. I would count it an honor to pray for you. With nobody looking, would you slip your hand up? That's, that's you this morning. Pastor, pray for me. I, I, need, I need your prayer support for whatever reason. Um, just lift your hands and thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All over the house. Thank you. You're not alone. Thank y'all. Everybody. Hands everywhere. Thank you. Isn't it encouraging to know you're not in this alone? Others are struggling too. And that's why, church, this has to be a church that's praying, helping, being there for one another. And I can't do that by myself. Saints, we need each other. I don't know your need this morning or why you raised your hand, but I do know the one who does. And my prayer is that you will just listen to His voice and do what He'd have you do. Father, I want to pray for each and every person that lifted their hands and those who couldn't for whatever reason. Lord, you know the hearts of everyone. And Lord, you know what's needed in each situation. And I ask that all believers join with me in this prayer as we petition the throne of grace, the maker, creator of all things. Father God, I pray that you would please answer these heart cries from the pews according to your will. And that you would help us as those who raise their hand, Lord, help us to be yielded to whatever it is you tell us. Because what you want from us more than anything is our obedience. So, Father, I pray this week that you meet with each and every one of those that raise their hand in a special way. And we'll give you all the praise in Jesus Christ's name.